Mark chapter 4. Let's find that if we would in our Bible. Mark chapter 4. And we covered part of this chapter last week in that very familiar parable of the sower. And we're going to take up in that same place today, but we're going to look at some verses we didn't give attention to last week. And for those of you who are guests, uh, on most Sunday mornings, we're going through the Gospel of Mark, just verse by verse, and just let, look and see what the Bible has to say. And we'll be reading in verse 1. If you're able to stand, we'd invite you to stand for the reading of the Scripture. And we're going to uh, introduce this lesson in verse 1 where Mark records of chapter 4, verse 1, and he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude. And it's always, I think, advantageous to think of who Jesus was teaching. Sometimes he would take the disciples aside and talk to them privately. Here he's talking to the multitude, the masses of people. So many people... It says, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And while the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. So he's teaching from a makeshift platform, really, using uh, the water, I'm sure, to amplify the voice a little bit and be able to have a better view of the people and them able to hear him more clearly. In verse 2 it says, and he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine... So we're going to talk today about the subject of parables. He taught them many things by parables. And beginning in verse 3 there, he has this parable we covered last week, the parable of the sower, about the sower who sowed the seed. We're not going to read that again, but he gave them this parable. And then if, but if you'll drop down to verse 9, it says this, And he said unto them, as he taught this multitude of people this one parable, he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 10, And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. Now very interesting. He gave this parable, and he says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in private with the disciples, the twelve and those closest to him, they asked him about the parable. Now why did they ask him? Because they didn't know what it meant. It was about a sower sowing the seed and falling on different kinds of soil. And they said, what were you trying to communicate? What, is this, what does this parable mean? In verse 11, he said unto them, unto you, talking to the smaller group, the disciples and the twelve, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. The word mystery is a word that's used not about something that is mysterious, but something that has been hidden that is now being revealed. Something that people did not know, but it's now being disclosed. He said unto them, unto the smaller group, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without are these things, all these things are done in parables that seeing they may see and not perceive. They'll see, but they won't understand. And hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? 
And how then will you know all parables? Let's pray and ask for God's help today as we study this subject of parables and answer the question, why did Jesus teach in parables? And what can we learn from this? Father, we thank you for your word. Please bless today. And we ask you to open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law. And help us to come with eager hearts and minds, teachable spirits, and a desire to grow, a hunger to grow spiritually. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So Jesus began to teach using parables. Now, what is a parable? Uh, I've heard a parable uh, defined or described as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I think that's a a good definition in part. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. meaning. And there's numerous parables right here in this chapter. We'll talk about others in the days and weeks ahead. But But many parables in the Gospels, some parables are found in numerous Gospels, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some are not found that often. The word parable is a combination of two phrases. Para means to lay alongside, like we would think of compare. uh, The parable, para, is to lay something alongside, and balo, parable, balo is to throw something or see something. So a parable is when you place one thing alongside another thing that you may be able to see more clearly. It's a story in life that reveals a biblical truth. And very important, I think, in verse 2 when it says, He taught them many things by parables and said unto them in His doctrine. Parable is to teach doctrine, to reveal doctrine. And so having said that, then Jesus taught the parable of the sower. Most of us would be very familiar. Some of you, you might not be. I'd encourage you to read. It's one of the great parables of the teaching of Jesus. But I want to repeat something that I said last Sunday, and that is this. If someone told you the parable of the sower, that a sower went out to sow, some fell by the wayside, the birds snatched it up, some fell on rocky soil and it seemed to grow, but then it died, some fell among the thorns and thistles, and those thorns and thistles choked out the seed, and some fell among good soil and it brought fruit. If that's all you knew about that parable, what would it mean? And it would mean little as far as a spiritual concept. What it would mean was a little lesson in agriculture, right? If if you want something to grow, then till up the ground and get the rocks out and things of that nature. You didn't just, now we've heard the story. We know what the different parts of it mean. We we can connect with that, but, but you would not understand the spiritual lesson in that unless someone taught it to you. And these closest people to Jesus did not understand what that parable could possibly mean unless Jesus took them aside and explained it to them. Now, why did Jesus teach with parables? Why would Jesus give lessons that that were obscure or seemed to have a hidden meaning? If I were to take this morning and distribute a small piece of paper to everyone here today and ask you to write down on this piece of paper why you think Jesus taught with parables, what would you write down? What would you say? I know what many people would write down, and I understand why. They would probably say Jesus told parables 
to help people understand things they did not know. Wouldn't you think that's why people would say it? He told a story. He told a story so that people could understand things they didn't understand otherwise. Now, it's important because teaching with parables at this point becomes a major part of the way Jesus taught. Hold your finger. We're looking here at Mark 4.1, but look to the end of the chapter. Not the very end, but near the end. Mark chapter 4 and verse 33. Jesus comments about this subject. Mark 4.33, And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So teaching to the multitudes, teaching to the masses, the larger group of people, he almost taught exclusively with parables. And then with the smaller group, he would explain to them what those parables meant. Now, there, there are some serious misconceptions about the purpose of Jesus' parables. And as a matter of fact, I think those misconceptions, have, and I've enjoyed studying this, preparing this lesson for this week, but, but some of those misconceptions have affected the way people even preach and teach. And one of those popular ideas for teachers is this, the value of storytelling in preaching for the purpose of being more like Jesus. I mean, Jesus taught, I've heard this said so many times in my life in ministry, Jesus taught you stories, you ought to use a lot of stories. I mean, stories help people understand truth, and they do help some people understand the truth. Some people even teach that because Jesus saw that the crowd was not getting the way he was presenting the truth, that he sort of changed his technique and began to use more stories to help people understand the message. And you see a lot of this in a lot of modern teaching and preaching. And quite frankly, in many places, straightly, simply declaring truth is sort of on the way out. And storytelling is in. By the way, that concept even affects the way we do ministry, not just with ourselves, but with our children. Like almost children almost have to have you know, some kind of a, a storyline or something, some kind of characters to help them understand. We, what we want to do is we want to make the Bible so understandable. But I want to tell you, when Jesus taught parables, he didn't do it so people in the crowds could understand the message. You may seem strange, but he didn't. I read an interesting thing that a writer wrote just yesterday. I read this. Preaching is in crisis. Why? I'm quote, this is a quote. Why? Because the traditional conceptual approach no longer works. In other words, just teaching, declaring the actual information no longer works. It fails to capture the interest of listeners. One person wrote, contrary to what some would have us believe, story, not doctrine, is the Bible's main ingredient. Now all those things seem really bizarre to me. And the reason they seem bizarre to me is because I, for, I kind of frankly prefer just give me the facts. You know, tell it to me straight, give me the facts. And, I'll, and I, I, think, I think response to truth should not be emotional, it should be rational. God says it, 
I believe it. You don't have to, you don't have to make it flowery. You don't, have to, you, know, you don't have to dress it up. Just give it to me straight. If God says it, let's just believe it. But what these teachers are saying is, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus told stories. Jesus was a great storyteller. So why did Jesus use parables? Now mark your place here because we're going to come back to Mark chapter 4 in just a moment. But I'm going to go to the gospel of Matthew because Jesus deals with this same subject in the same setting. But Matthew gives us some interesting details that will help our understanding of the question. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Matthew chapter 13, if you'll join me there. Matthew chapter 13, once again, is right in the middle of Jesus teaching the parable of the sower. In Matthew chapter 13 and 10, we see the question. And the disciples came. After Jesus gave them this parable of the sower, the disciples came, in verse 10, and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? It's interesting, they said, why are you saying to them, to the crowd, to the multitudes, why do you speak to them in parables? Now let's read verse 11, if you would. And he answered and said unto them, this is his answer. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Aren't you glad we have a Bible that we can read and try to understand and apply? We don't have to imagine why Jesus gave parables. Jesus said, here's why I'm giving you these, these parables. It's giving unto you, the disciples, the close ones, those who are believing on him and following him. It's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it is not given. It's given to you who believe and follow that you, that you might understand, but to them it is not given. In essence, this may seem like a very bizarre thing to say, but Jesus is basically saying, I speak in parables to them so they cannot understand. I knew that would go over good. <laughs> That's what he said. To you, to those of you who know me, to those of you who follow me, to those of you who are interested in me, I'm going to explain to you everything that I say. But to them, it is not given. Parables really... In, the, in and of themselves were for the unsaved multitude. And, and here's the part that will develop in a few moments. It was really a form of judgment. Giving them the truth without them being able to really understand the spiritual meaning. It was a judgment of their unbelief. They were not believers. They were not followers. They were not willing to follow. They came for the miracles, they came for the food, they came for all the, the, they came for the glitter, but they weren't really serious about following Jesus. Look in Matthew, we're in 13, verse 12. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. You know why Jesus was giving them further explanation? Because they already had truth and they were responding to that truth and they were believing that truth. Whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. The more you do what you ought to do with what you know to do, the more he's going to give you. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. So whoever has will receive. People sit in church all the time and, and they don't understand what's being taught. They don't understand the spiritual application of it and implication. It doesn't resonate with them 
And, you know, and they may wonder why. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why is because you've been rejecting truth and disregarding truth along. And so you're, you're really blinded to the truth. It's a spiritual matter. Let, let, me just, let me just say something so elementary, so important though. Anybody who understands truth understands it because Jesus taught it to them. When Simon Peter hit the nail on the head, when people, Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say that you're this person, that person, but who do you say that I am? And Jesus said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but your father which is in heaven. Anything I know that's of spiritual reality, I know it not because I'm smart or figured it out or not even because I have great teachers. It's because God himself revealed truth to us. So, Jesus, in explaining and answering this question, Jesus said in verse 12, He that hath, to him shall be given, and he that hath, he have more abundance, who there hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Verse 13, therefore speak out of them in parables. He's, he's taking his time, he's explaining this to his disciples. Therefore speak out of them in parables, because they seeing see not. And hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And then he goes on and says, this is a fulfillment of something that's written in Isaiah chapter 6. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, this is what Isaiah said 700 years before. By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. You'll hear it, you'll see it, but you won't get it. Verse 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Notice who closed their eyes. Their eyes have they closed. Their ears are dull of hearing. Lest at any time, they should see with their eyes and hear with their hearts and should understand, or hear with their ears, excuse me, and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Jesus did not say, I am, I am hiding this from them so that they will never understand and be converted. Jesus was saying, because they've closed their heart and closed their eyes and closed their minds, their heart has become hardened, and therefore they cannot be converted. They will not be converted. So if, if I would have said, and I might have said at some time in my life, I believe the purpose of parables is to help people understand things they don't understand, I'd have been wrong. I'd have failed the test. Parables, in essence, were a judgment to those who heard them. Because, because you, know why they, you know why they didn't understand? Because they weren't really disciples. They weren't coming to him. They weren't following him. They weren't believing him. And, Je and therefore, Jesus didn't give them more. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Look in verse 16. I love this verse. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears for they hear. I want to tell you, it's a blessed thing to be able to see 
truth. Amen? It's a blessed thing to be able to hear truth. And verse 17, For verily I say unto you that many prophets... Jesus said this to his disciples. Think about this. Many prophets and righteous men have a desire to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. And at that point in verse 18, Jesus begins to explain to the disciples this parable of the sword, which is such a beautiful parable, such a rich parable, such a meaningful parable. And why did he do that? Because they were disciples. Because they were pupils. Because they were willing to be taught. They wanted to know. Now let's go back to Mark's gospel, if we could. Mark chapter 4. And I want to cover a little more territory here. So in Mark chapter 4, let's look in verse, verse 12. We read that a moment ago. Or verse 11. And he said unto them. And I use the Matthew text because it gave a more full explanation. But in Matthew, uh, Mark 4 and 11, he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Unto those that are without, those that are outside the truth, those that are outside of Christ, those, who've never, those who aren't taking it seriously, they're not believers. The purpose of parables could not be clear, more clear. In verse 12, I read it earlier, that seeing, they may see and not perceive. And hearing, they'll hear, but they won't understand. Lest at any time they should be converted, their sins should be forgiven them. Why? Because they, they've refused to hear, they've refused to submit, they've refused to believe. Because they chose not to believe. It's because they chose not to believe that their minds are blinded. It's because they chose not to believe. And Jesus, therefore, is not giving them more. And verse 13, he said unto them, again, know ye not this parable, and how then will you know other parables? And he begins to explain to them this great teaching. Those that are lost, and I'm not saying this in a prideful way, those who are unsaved, and maybe that's you, you have no way of knowing what we know because he, of what he's taught us. That's not prideful. If you go to 1 Corinthians 12, and for time's sake, I'm not going to look at it. But it says this, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that know him. But he has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And it goes on to say, But the natural man comprehendeth not, understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God. And you can talk to a person who's in the dark about how wonderful salvation is and how good the grace of God is and how we don't serve God because we have to, because we love to, because we live to serve Him and please Him. And you might as well be speaking a foreign language because they can't understand and they can't understand not because they don't have the intellect. They can't understand because they don't have the relationship with God and His Word that makes the spiritual reality personal and powerful in their lives. It's a blessing to know the truth. It's a blessing. And then Jesus took this opportunity, this occasion, to drive home some powerful and 
important lessons about truth. And I think it would be so appropriate to cover it now. We'll just take a few moments and do this. But drop down in Mark chapter 4, past the parable of the sower, to verse 21. And he said unto them, he continues his conversation, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel? Or under a bed? I mean, does that make any sense? By the way, this is a parable, right? Would you light a candle and put it under a bushel basket? Now, some of you might, but I mean, <laughs> would you put it under the bed? Now, some of you may have children, you thought maybe you would try that sometime just to see how long it took you to smell the smoke. But anyway, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? The purpose of a candle is to give off light. Put on a candlestick. Verse 22, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should, that it should come abroad. And basically what he's saying is, God wants His truth to be known. He doesn't want it to be hidden. He doesn't want it to be um, in a place that people can't find. He wants it to be known. But you know what happens to people? By the way, you know what would happen to a light if you put it under a bushel? Number one, it would not give off light. But number two, more than likely, because of a lack of oxygen, it would be extinguished. The light would go out. Jesus, he's teaching a lesson about truth. You know why, you know why young person, that God's truth doesn't really mean near as much as to you as basketball statistics and things of that matter? Because you don't have the spiritual capacity to understand truth. And sometimes it's because you've heard truth and you've rejected it. You've, put, you've taken truth and put it under a bushel basket. That's not the purpose. God wants us to know truth. You know, it should not surprise us. Sometimes it disappoints us. Sometimes it burdens us. But it shouldn't surprise us that people aren't, they're, they're oblivious to truth. It should not surprise us. The truth of Jesus so Jesus says this, he said this twice in this chapter, verse 23, if any man have ears, let him hear. If any man have ears, let him hear. And who have, who's the one that has ears? Those who are open to truth. Those who have been born again. Those, those who have a heart to obey God. They have the, the ears to hear what God says. And so then he says this in verse 24. Hope you're still staying with me. It's all a part of the same context. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. It's interesting, in Luke's gospel, he says, take heed how you hear. Mark says, take heed what you hear. By the way, both are important. How you hear and what you hear are very important. Take heed, it's a warning. Be careful. Be careful what you hear. It's a and I think this should be sort of a warning against what I would call selective hearing. I have that problem sometimes. My wife knows. She'll be talking, and I know she said something, but also know I wasn't listening. And so being the humble, brilliant person I am, I say, you know, I didn't hear everything you said. Could you explain that to me? Or, Truth of the matter was, I wasn't even listening. Confess your faults one to another. And please pray for me, lest I be lectured after this. But anyway, <laughs> but this is what we do. 
We're here, we're listening, sitting in a service. We're hearing something preached. We're hearing something read. We heard some of this, in, in fact, this morning in Sunday school. But it's not really what we want to hear, so we just kind of tune it out. It's not really according to what we think or what we want to believe is right, so we just kind of dismiss it or make some excuse for it. It's not, it's not the opinion of the preacher. It ought to be the opinion of God. What does God say? But that's why he says in verse 24, the whole t- context is about hearing. Do you have ears to hear? And he says, take heed what you hear. We're still in verse 24. With what measure you meet, with the way you treat truth, it shall be measured to you. Now think about that. What that says in in simple English is, the way you respond to the truth that is given to you will directly affect the kind of truth you're going to receive. Is that what that says? Let me read it again. Take heed what you hear, for what, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you, and look at the rest of the verse, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Now, I'm not, I'm not embellishing this. I'm not exaggerating it. I'm not twisting it. I'm telling you what Jesus said. The way you listen and respond to truth will determine the way truth is given to you. It didn't say the way you respond to some truth is the way you respond to truth. Be careful about it. Because if we don't take it seriously, it may not really be what we like to hear the most. It may not really be what we want to hear. But if it's what he said, be careful how you treat that truth because the way you treat it will cause you not to be able to hear more truth. I think that's one of the reasons why some people sit in church And the truth doesn't really speak to them. And it's not because the truth is not truth. And it's not because there's something wrong with the way it's being presented. It's because they've said no to this, no to this, no to this. I won't go along with that. I don't think I believe that until finally they become dull of hearing is the language of the New Testament. I'll tell you, truth is a precious commodity, if I could use that word, isn't it? To have the Word of God. We don't put it under a lamp. We want to know what it says. So take heed how you hear. I think we could all be guilty of this. Then he says in verse 25, For he that hath, notice this, For he that hath, hath what? What is the subject? Truth. He's been given truth. He took truth. He possessed truth. For he that hath, to him shall be given, and He that hath not, in other words, he didn't keep it. He didn't obey it. He didn't follow it. He that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. If you have truth and you're obeying truth, God himself said, I'm going to give you more truth. But he also said, if you have truth and you're not obeying that truth, the truth that you had will be taken away from you. Isn't that something? It's a, it, answers, it answers for me a question that I often have with people and with myself even sometimes, and that is this. People who once believed truth because God taught them that truth, and now down the road, they no longer believe that truth. Let me tell you something. God never changes, and His Word never changes. When I, sometimes I say to people, that God showed us things, and I'm not just using myself as an example, but I'm, I'm, I don't think God showed us in the first year we were saved. I know He showed us. He showed us from the Bible. 
By the grace of God, I've never revisited that one time to question whether it was right or wrong. You know why? Because God showed me. But I've had people say, you know, God showed me this. I'm, I remember a person one time telling me, God showed me about the way that we're supposed to support missions and I hadn't been supporting missions and I'm going to start supporting missions. And it lasted for a while. Something happened. They started revisiting that thing. And now they question it. I'm going to tell you, when God shows you something, you better hold on to it. Because if you don't hold on to it, you're going to lose stuff He has already showed you. Do you think that's true? I think that's what He's saying. And this whole context is about that very thing. It's about stewardship. When truth is, truth is taught and truth is preached and it's rejected, there are consequences. You know... For those of us who are parents, we have children here or children in the other service at the other building. When a child rejects truth, it ought to concern us for a lot of reasons. But one reason it ought to concern us is because one day they're going to be sitting in church hearing truth and they're not going to understand it and it's not going to mean anything to them. And it's not because they don't have anything up here. It's not because it's not taught with enough flowery illustrations. It's because they become dull of hearing. And, it, and one day they may say, you know, it just doesn't mean anything to me anymore. You know, it just doesn't say anything to me anymore. And by the way, if it happens to young people, it happens to adults. And it does happen to adults. You know, when truth is taught and preached, and it's rejected, there are going to be several consequences. Number one, according to the Bible, it blinds us to forthcoming truth. It makes us blind to truth that will be coming in the future. And a person can just say, well, I just listen to what I want to hear. I mean, I'm just, I don't really care for that. I'm not going to... You may have already tuned me out today. You say, well, that's just not really what I came for. But they're not taking into account that the only one who teaches us truth is God. And when we say no to one truth of His, we're making ourselves blind to additional truth. Now you can debate that, and just argue that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. When you reject truths, there are consequences. Second of all, it causes your heart to harden. Anytime we reject truth, it causes our heart to become hardened. I, my biggest problem I have is with my own heart. It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. If you think there's a person in this room or a person on the planet who just naturally always throughout the decades of Christian life automatically always have a tender heart to the things of God, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. If our heart stays tender to God and receptive and open and pliable, it's because, it's because we're responding to truth. It's because we're accepting truth, as we heard this morning in Sunday school, not as the word of man, but as a word from God. But thirdly, and I've already mentioned this, but here's a third, a third consequence. Number one, we become blind to forthcoming truth. Number two, our heart hardens. Number three, the truths that were once given to us could be taken away. 
And I am persuaded, based on what Jesus is teaching here, that people who say, not all of them, I'm sure, but some who say, well, I used to believe that, but I don't believe it. And they think, it, sometimes I think they just think they have more insight. You know, they got an inside clue. God changed his mind, or I was mistaken. God doesn't really want my life wholly surrendered. I mean, I used to think that, but I don't remember that. But I want to tell you what's really happened in many of them. God took away the truth that they once had. They may think it's because of something else, but, it's, but according to what Jesus teaches here, I think that's what happened. I was, as I was thinking this, and I'm going to close with this, I was thinking about the passage in Hebrews that says this. I'm going to read it to you. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you should be a teacher yourself. That's what he's saying. From the time you ought to be instructing others, you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles, the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and of, not of meat, not of strong. He says, you, you used to know this stuff. That's what Hebrews is. You used to know this stuff and you used to live this stuff. But, but now you need to go back and have a remedial class on this because what you used to know and live and believe, you've lost it. Didn't lose it because it wasn't true. Lost it because you weren't obeying it. Why did Jesus teach in parables? I think it's interesting. He didn't teach in parables so he could break it down so simple that an unconverted man could believe it. He taught the parable, and for those who weren't willing to receive the truth and obey the truth and follow him, he didn't explain it to them. He, didn't, he left them in the dark. Not because he wanted to, them to be in the dark, but because they elected to be in the dark. They chose to be in the dark. Right? Amen. Not on where you are today in this whole matter of our response to truth, but this is not just something we live with on Sunday morning or Sunday night. This is something we live with every day of our life. How are we going to respond to God's truth? Are we going to have an open mind, open to the Scripture? It's amazing to me how many times in the Bible you have these kind of words, hold on to that thing you've learned. You'll, you'll find that terminology numerous times in the New Testament. Hold on to it. You know why? If you don't hold on to it, you'll lose it. Amen. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you're a new Christian that has a real desire and heart to learn the truth. Maintain that. Keep that. Maybe you're, maybe you're a person that's started off with this eagerness, desire to learn. And then maybe things were said you didn't agree with or things, you know, you started having a sort of a dismissive attitude toward truth and not taking it seriously and kind of been picking and choosing, you know. Well, I like that, but I don't like that. And now you've got to a place, and this is where people get, where they don't know what to believe. Or, worse than that, is they just believe whatever they think they want to believe. And they think that's okay. That's not okay. It's not biblical. So I would suggest to us this morning, number one, if you're not saved, if you are not saved, if you don't, if you don't know in your heart 
that God has changed your life, that you've received Him as Savior and He's changed you. Pay attention up here. If you don't know that, then you need to be saved. And every time you reject the gospel, your heart gets harder to the gospel. Every time. According to the Bible, every t- you say, well, I can just ignore it in one of these days. You can't do anything unless God works in your heart. And if God's working in your heart today and you know you need to be saved, you ought to come down and say, let, let somebody show me this again. I want to see it again. And if you've rejected some truth, whatever it is, today would be a good day to, before God to say, God, I'm tired of being so selective and determined. I want, you, I want to obey you. If everybody obeys you, if nobody obeys you, I want to do exactly what you want me to do. And I'm telling you on the authority of the Word of God, the more you obey truth, the more He's going to pour truth out upon you. Amen. And if He's shut off the faucet, it is in itself a sign of judgment Amen. against you for not obeying truth.